Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, macabre manor of mead, metal, and mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James, and I was so damn tempted when Jody paused right before this to fuck with him. When he <laughs> but, but, I left you an opening. <laughs> you did, but I get it. It gets old for the listeners, I'm sure. <laughs> no. So guess what I'm drinking? Beer. That's a damn good guess. I thought so. Although, I was really close I am to too. getting... <laughs> I almost got a mead because of our episode today, uh, but oh, then I realized oh, well, yeah. all I got were 22 ounce bombers, and I can't do that tonight. So instead, I got Weyerbacher's Blithering It Barley Wine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, because, and, and I'll ask what you're drinking here in a second, but because we're talking about folk music today, and I thought, well, mead is folk because that's what they drank back in the day, but I can't have that. So I'm going to have a big old English barley wine. And then I realized as I open it, it, the guy on front is a fool dressed in the motley. And I'm thinking, that would have worked well with our uh, ghost stories when we talked about the M.R. James Punch and Judy. <laughs> yeah. That would have been, yeah. <laughs> it would have been. Too late now. <laughs> oh, well. So what are you having? Um, well, since it's uh, December when we were recording this, I've gotten into my Samuel Adams holiday pack. Oh. And I am drinking a chocolate bock. Ah. Uh, I like this. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, you just gave me a genius idea. Of course. My wife, one of her peoples, gave her uh, a minced meat little jar, like homemade. Minced oh, meat. nice. Yeah, and I actually made it the other night. And I may have, I think, chocolate bock with a slice oh. of minced meat pie. Yeah. That would yeah. Be awesome. Yeah. All right, well, we should probably start now. Sounds like a plan. So initially, when I wrote these notes for the folk music, I, I have them set up so there are three sections. Well, three and a half. So there'd be mm-hmm. three episodes. And then I realized how dumb that is because we always talk about stupid crap. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to assume this is going to be five episodes. <laughs> But <laughs> you're probably not wrong. <laughs> nope. But this will be perfect because we're recording this after we finish Zep two, while before all the Zep two are done, but before Zep three, and I'm already in the mood for Zep three, and this will just whet my appetite for it. And these will be the episodes between Zep two and Zep three, where that they have that folky Zep three album. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was an unintentional consequence. Of us finding other shit that we wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm ready if you are. I'm ready. All Fred. right. <laughs> Go to sleep, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that wasn't the Freddy I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> this thing I call love. <laughs> I just... That's actually not the Freddy I was thinking of either. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what Freddy I got to know? <laughs> what, what, what fucking Let's Freddy? Let's split up, you? gang. Oh. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Freddy. You already take the homework. Yeah, him. <laughs> oh, before that tangent becomes a thing <laughs> yeah let's let's get back into this folk music thing <laughs> so this initially came about because i loves me some folk metal oh yeah 
yeah, which of course is part of our whole thing. And you know, it starts off with my little paragraph of, of folk music as a fusion genre of heavy metal music and traditional folk music that developed in Europe in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. It is characterized by the widespread use of folk instruments and, to a lesser extent, traditional folk styles. Yes. But before we get to the metal, of course, y'all know Judy and I are big into context. Oh, damn it, got a drink. And your mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you notice I didn't just say yours, though. This I, time. Hey, that was, yes, I caught that was plural. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> so, all of you out there, you can call me your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I should stop there. Ooh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nothing but a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> So I have this divvied up into three sections, which of course will end up being five. Technically three and a half because first part is part zero. Wait, was this like a comic book or something? It is. It's a prequel. <laughs> or a issue one half. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, here we go. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so the life and times of Scrooge McDuck, what I've referenced, actually is like a 12-issue arc of his life. But then later they came out with sequel, which has episodes one and a half and five and a half because they have little issues that occur between the main issues of Scrooge McDuck. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, I got Scrooge McDuck in there again. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, folk metal. Yeah. Folk music. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Uh, so part zero is just a few notes on aspects of folk music, because that will actually go well with the folk music, folk rock, folk punk, folk metal that we'll talk about over the next few episodes. And, okay. and, and by next few episodes, it, of course, we're not going to put all five or three or eight out in a row because nobody wants that. No, no, there'll be some other stuff in between. Yeah. So mode, which we've mentioned in a few episodes and we weren't sure how close we want to get in i think i figured out a way to do this because mode is a useful little thing in folk music so i can mention a little bit and we'll just keep creeping up and creeping up a little bit until after three years people will know more about modes if hey, there mode. are listeners and <laughs> big two uh, i don't know ionian <laughs> damn it <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> mode has many terms, at least as far as Western music, which is where our scant bit of expertise comes in. So we'll focus on that. And it can be used to indicate a type of musical scale, such as the Ionian, which is the basis of our major scales. The Dorian, similar to our minor scales, such as D minor, Yes, D minor. The, the saddest of all scales. <laughs> yes. And and so on. I, have, I actually have a little note that says we've considered doing an episode on this, but it, it does seem boring as fuck for an audio podcast, and that's where a bit at a time, and, you know. Yeah. Now, just use it for the simple major-minor scale things, because, of course, you know, the further you get in the music, you get the Ionian and Dorian and Pixelexian and all the different weird-ass scales and modes and everything. But if, when you begin... You don't even know what they are, but but you start to know, oh, well, that's a major scale, and it's a minor scale, and and if it's this, you actually go up to get the sharps, and if this, you go down to get the flats, and, you know, it's it's a progression. Yeah. And we've talked about a episode for this, and, wow, I need to mark that down. 
a, a way for music to create a more emotional response, such as religious or culturally idiomatic, such as folk music. Mm-hmm. And Jody and I have mentioned doing an episode on the emotional aspect of scales and how certain scales really will. Like D minor is a sad motherfucking scale. Yes, it is. But that, that'll be the future. For now, though, folk music can use specific melodies. For yes. examples, Irish folk uh, makes heavy use of the Ionian, Mixolydian, Dorian, Neolian moids. Moids. Damn it, you fucker. <laughs> But the first two are major sounding, the Ionian and Mixolydian, and the other second two are minor sounding, the Dorian and Aeolian. And the, the use of these modes instead of more modern key signatures can make it odd when, when translating, but that is one of the neat things because of how the semitones are flattened, which we talked about in the Devil's Triad episode. By the way, one of our more popular episodes. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> well, if Devil's Tritone is that popular, evidently these little... And snippety bits on musicality is not that bad. <laughs> the, the modes used in Irish and Scottish folk music, uh, they're fairly similar to the <laughs> harmonic systems used during the Renaissance. And, and of course, that makes sense because these songs have been around for hundreds of years. Yes. But, but it is hard to put music so neatly in bins, and there are huge regional differences, even between Irish and Scottish traditional music, trad music, let alone when you start including you know, even English, which is different because it's non-Celtic or French or, you know, everything else. Yeah. I do think it'd be a, a decent episode to do one uh, about uh, the difference between Irish and Scottish. But uh, there's a podcast I listen to called Irish Music Stories. She put out an episode called The Scottish Connection in uh, 2019, July. So if, if that is something that would interest you, of course, she's not as exciting as Jody and I are. Well, I mean, who, who the fuck? Who the fuck is? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but but it's good. It's informative, if not as entertaining. Cool. And uh, as a little FYI, composer John Williams from Star Wars and other fames. Yes. Uh, he uses the Lydian mode quite a bit, just <laughs> because I I I read that and I wanted to put it in here. <laughs> That's not one of the four modes you mentioned. Nope, it's sure not. <laughs> Uh, no, it's right. It wasn't. <laughs> nope. Uh, Lydian, the tattooed mode. Oh, wait. That's Lydia, the tattooed dancer. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, all right. And I, I could, of course, get into binary forms, but that would just be too much. Yes, it would. <laughs> uh, so to finish up this little section, I shall read you thusly the paragraph coming up right now. Here we go. In the end, whether modern musicians, folk revival, folk rock, folk punk, or folk metal, Utilize these modes doesn't matter much to me as long as the evocative emotional aspect of the mode comes through. If you do want an idea of different modes using a modern band with older music, Simon and Garfunkel's Scarborough Fair with Dorian mode versus their Sound of Silence in the Aeolian mode. Yeah. Are you ready to move on to part one? Yes. All right, and I've titled part one Origins through folk music revivals. All right. Because I'm a pretentious fucker. I will vouch for that. That has nothing to do with the title either. (laughs) Okay. Obviously, when I talk about this, we're probably going to, at least I will, focus initially more on the English sort of thing because that's where our 
thoughts of folk music come from. Yeah. When we get to folk metal, we will expand it quite a bit because we do have the knowledge of that. Mm -hmm. So in Britain, both England and Scotland, during the 16s and 1700s, hundreds, there, there was a rediscovery of traditional folk music and festivals due to social issues. So in other words, context. Um, well, that would, uh, let's see, when did they, the Crown had already been unified. When did they unify everything else? Uh, well, Crown was unified in 1707, right? I thought the Crown was unified when James I took the throne. Oh, I'm so thinking of the countries. Been... No, the Crown. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking of when England and Scotland unified to become United Kingdom. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. what I meant. Because the Crown had been already been unified. Yeah, the Crown was unified by then and then. Right. Sorry, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. But for now, for us, this is a lead-in to the folk metal stuff. Uh, but during the 16s to 17s, hundreds, the, uh -huh. the literate urban classes were more receptive to it as opposed to the medieval period because of the increase in humanistic attitudes versus the old school Christians who tried to squash the pagan cultures. Yeah. And it's during this time where Jody and I have mentioned the book uh, how the Scots invented the modern world. Mm -hmm. And that if you read that, and we'll do an episode on that eventually, uh, you, you'll see what we mean. This is during the time of the thing, the stuff in France and Scotland. And I'm losing every word <laughs> imaginable ever. Voltaire. <laughs> Enlightenment. <laughs> yep. Thanks. I just had to have it cross your brain. <laughs> and, so, I could, so I could say it at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yes we're, we're, becoming more humanistic in areas, so it's not the devil's music anymore. Bah. But also, from the moving forward a little bit, from the 1890s to the 1920s, due to the Industrial Revolution that was 1760 to 1840, and the mm -hmm. move of a lot of the people from the country into the city, Yes. Uh, for example, population of London in 1750 rose from 700,000 to 4,500,000, a more than six-fold increase. Wow. Yeah, so... That's a that, lot of people. And in general, at this time, a lot of non-religious music was being collected. So, mm -hmm. you know, because as time goes on, these start to get lost. But the Industrial Revolution was creating a round of social problems and an awareness of the old agrarian work songs and folk ways, and they're starting to become popular again. So rather than let it all fall away and vanish... It led to the, you ready for this? Yes. The first British folk revival. Woohoo! Yay! Which, if you're American, you think of a big tent and somebody up on stage going, hey, oh, baby Jesus! But, you know, because of the revivals. Yeah. But that is not what it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I prefer the... I prefer the English version. Well, this English version, uh, the pure just came from the, England. <laughs> I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. I prefer the folk revival. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the first British folk revival, which was an effort mostly by academics to record and save traditional British folk songs around 1890 to 1920. And it was partially to create a distinctly English form of traditional and classical music and to create a national identity due to the looming Great War, uh, World War I. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, national identity and identity politics and, and all these things have a continuum just like everything else where it can simply be a way for a country to band together, 
regardless of other things, to mm -hmm. a way of keeping people out. For our purposes, and when I say our, I'm the one who wrote these, so Jody may tangentialize greatly. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to stay on topic if I can. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to focus more on recent revivals, which is a part of a topic called Roots Revival. Yeah. It's a trend where younger generations take traditional styles of music from their cultures and their ancestors, but change them to mere modern thinking and utilize modern musical styles and instruments. Yeah. It's cool. It is. It's, how is it? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're recording it soon after that episode. <laughs> yeah. So including the next round in the aisles, the second British folk revival started in the 1940s and went into the late 60s. And here, rather than just go with completely traditional music, the styles were brought into a more modern and contemporary mode. In this case, there's a noticeable trend to espouse leftist political views in the music as if hearkening back to more pure and agrarian utopian society, however flawed or not flawed that thinking may be when you think everything was perfect 300 yeah. years ago. <laughs> but it incorporated topics such as unionization and socialism. Mm -hmm. And I will thusly go from politics there and say, at the same time, uh -huh. across the Atlantic, uh -huh. the American folk revival was happening. Yes, I was going to say, I'm thinking of Woody Guthrie and... <laughs> that, that's, he, he is like two rows down from, yeah, yep, that's yeah. it. Uh, the American folk revival actually started a little bit earlier in the late 30s, hitting its stride in the early 40s, mm -hmm. and continuing into the 60s, uh, although with changes in the style of music used to incorporate it through those couple of decades. Yeah. Pete Seeger mm -hmm. and Woody Guthrie, who Jody just mentioned, uh, his... Uh, this Land is Your Land, which as a song is his more open response to Irving Berlin's God Bless America because it's a more communal, it's all of us. Yeah. You know, although God Bless America, I don't find divisive other than the fact that if you're not religious. Yeah. You know, at the time, since 99% of Americans were Christian, it, it would not have been a big deal. True. And uh, Burl Ives, who... Uh, at least me, and I'm assuming most of our generation would know from his renditions of Christmas songs. Oh, um, 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 because um, he narrated uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the t the television special, the claymation. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's from Indiana. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I forgot about that. What do you know? He and Michael Jackson have something in common. Yeah, probably about it. <laughs> uh, and uh, blues musician Led Belly actually incorporated aspects of folk stuff in, in his stuff and yeah. uh but the, but you know to go into the blues would, would be another whole episode so maybe someday you know yes john hammond and john hammond jr were going around and recording a bunch of the old blues artists in the 40s 30s and 40s or at least john hammond senior started it and then his son kind of took it over later going into the 60s and uh, even later than that i think but yeah they were uh, they were kind of doing the same thing as they were doing in britain they were going around and re recording all this stuff and and you know, making sure that there was a record of, of a lot of these folk and blues singers um, from, from rural areas of the U.S. That's great. Yeah. All right, then. Actually, this episode is nearly done. Okay. I was just going to mention that the American version shared with the British version a left political leaning. Yes. Uh, with many of the early artists being accused of belonging to communist parties and running at the problems with McCarthy and his House Un-American Activities Committee. Some of them were even 
blacklisted, which is a, a thing we won't go into, but you would not get work as a musician or actor or even just a teacher if you're blacklisted and said you're a commie. Right. Uh, but they, they would also record old American folk tunes, which is, is kind of similar to what Jody was saying, but the blues. Yeah. Uh, such as Tom Dooley, made famous by the Kingston Trio in 1958. Oh, yeah. Kingston Trio. Yeah. In fact, here's a little snippet of Tom Dooley. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. I met her on the mountain, there I took her life. Met her on the mountain, stabbed her with my knife. Hang down your head, Tom, Julie, hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom, Julie, poor boy, you're bound to die. This time tomorrow, reckon where I'll be. Could go on a bit here, but it's, it's probably better to, to end here with a note that saying the style of music would soon become a part of the 60s psychedelic and progressive music movements. And to be open and encompassing, folk music is traditionally more of a lefty thing at this point in time. But the metal parts are both lefty and righty. Yes. And... It's not like we're going to get political. We're just going to report the facts as they are, like Walter Cronkite would. Um, I, are you going to, are, going forward, are you going to have any snippets from the Folksman? The Folksman? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. That, that's totally going over your head, isn't it? It is. So the Folksman were Mark Shubb, Alan Barrows, and John Palter, also known as Harry Shearer, Christopher Guest, and Michael McKean. I hate you with every fiber of my being right now. Every, every fiber. <laughs> if you were to cut me up and put me in a centrifuge and pour me out into a milkshake of goo, that would hate you with every ounce of its being. <sighs> you know, I've only really watched that movie once, but that was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it and I'm so deep into my notes. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let me look. <laughs> for, for reference that's a mighty wind and those uh, this year guest and mckean were the guys who did this is spinal tap Final tap, yeah yeah so yeah. it's kind of like a it's kind of like a folk music version of this is spinal tap and it's good <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's great i, I loved it I, i've only really watched it the one time but well me too because if i'm going to choose i'm still choosing spinal tap for the 20th time <laughs> oh yeah well that no that's a perfect note to get off of here now <laughs> genius you Magnificent fucker. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was worth it. <laughs> so worth it. <laughs> so and until next time I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Yes. Okay. Day before I go to work, and then I can just start drinking in the afternoon. There you go. Yeah. No, my my um my main ringtone is the song Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath from the album Black Sabbath. Exactly. <laughs> Based yeah. on the poster Black Sabbath from the movie Black Sabbath. <laughs> 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 but I digress. <laughs> yes. We don't.
don't, we don't have to shove skills down your throat. Uh, say it. We have other things. <laughs> Compare Simon and Garfunkel's. Garfunkel's? Sorry, I was going to start doing the Oliver Cromwell from Spawny Python for. <laughs>